Good morning. Welcome again to Morning Devotions. Thank you again so much for our time together. What a pleasure to sit down. We're going to start another week together, reading through the Bible. We're starting our second year together with what I would call the extended version of Morning Devotions. I used to just give you a little three-minute thought every day for years, but now this is the extended version. And you know what? We're going to keep doing this until this lockdowns are all finished and we're back to regular life. If it's just talking to two of our seniors who can't get out of the house, it's worth it for us because we're there for you. We don't ever want you to feel like we're not there for you. We're your, we're your pastors. We, we have not been able to visit anybody, and my frustration is showing, so please forgive me. We have not been able to visit anybody for a year now. We've not been in anybody's homes. We've not been able to, to come and check on the condition of the flocks in, in over a year you got to understand, that's a hard thing for us as shepherds, because shepherds are with the sheep. And right now, with this lockdown, we, we feel very isolated from you. So thank you. Thank you for opening up your hearts and allowing us to spend this time together with you every day. We want to get started today in Psalms chapter 37, verse 16. And please allow me to read it to you from the New Living Translation. Sometimes, especially in Psalms, I, I like the NLT. It's just such a nice read. Like sometimes I just like to sit down and read for a few hours, just Psalms in the NLT. So beautiful. It is better. Oh, here's one of those things that are better. So here's a nice list. Things that are better. Now you can start a little page in a little journal notebook that you keep with your Bible. And that little page can be called things that are better. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. Wow. Now, I'm a prosperity preacher. I believe that Jesus wants to give us life and life more abundantly. I do not understand how you can preach the gospel and not teach people that Jesus has set them free from poverty. Now, I'm not an avarice preacher. I'm not a greed preacher. But I do believe that God wants to prosper his people, and that's a good Bible word. But part of teaching prosperity is teaching holiness, just like hard work and savings, holiness is a part of prosperity. Now, watch with me why. It's better to be godly and have a little. In other words, sometimes, forgive me, you you give up money and you give up opportunities for money because it's not right. Then to be evil and rich. Why? For or because the strength of the wicked will be shattered, but the Lord takes care <laughs> of the godly. Now, now here's the truth. You may be godly and have little, but you have God. You have God and God's care. Aha! Now you understand the difference. Day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. I like that. And they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Here's a promise. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. Now, there's the promise of prosperity. Even in famine, even, oi, even in famine, they will have more than enough. Oh, beloved. Some of you, you're concerned about Moralco. You're concerned about, you know, the back mortgage payments on the house or the back car payments that are now all stacked up and starting to come due. You're concerned about all those debts. But God has made a promise to you. 
that promises you will not be disgraced in the hard times. Now, now some of you need to take this verse and just write it down and stick it on your refrigerator door. I will not be disgraced in the hard times. Even in the famine, I will have more than enough. Now, he didn't say you're going to move into Forbes Park, but he said, even in the famine, you will have more than enough. Oh, Father, Father, in Jesus' name, let them see more than enough in Jesus' name. Father, let their needs be met and an abundance left over for every good work. Let them always see the 12 basketfuls, Father, in Jesus' name. Let their family needs always be met and an ability to share with their neighbors and their relatives that are even going through tougher times than they are. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, let this promise be fulfilled. Let this promise be fulfilled that you will care for the innocent, that they will not be disgraced in these days, and that they'll have more than enough. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in the field. They'll they'll disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow. Now, now notice here, you've got the evil rich, but then he said the wicked will die. Let me change the color here. He said the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in the field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay, but the godly are generous givers. Wow. Okay. Who is who? Okay. The wicked borrow and never repay. I didn't say that they're late. I said they never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Now, brothers and sisters, you can always tell a godly person because as soon as they are able, they pay their debts. Notice the word never. It didn't say we're never late because sometimes in these days you might be a little bit late, but an honest person always pays their debts. He said, and a godly person We're generous givers. (laughs) I like that. The Lord blesses. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land. Those he curses will die. Now look at this beautiful promise. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Here's a promise Here's a promise of God. Are you a godly person? You've been made godly by the blood of Jesus. Number one, he directs your step. Number two, he delights in every detail of your life. Did you get that? He delights in every detail of your life. He delights in the color of your shoes matching your dresses, ladies. He delights in in the little hair bow in your hair, ladies. Now, now sometimes, guys, you just have to understand every detail of our lives. Though they stumble, and we all stumble, okay? So the godly do stumble. We do stumble. We will never fall. Why? For the Lord upholds them by the hand. God just, he holds your hand. It's like a little kid walking on on a bumpy, stony, rough path, and he's holding his dad's hand. He might stumble, but dad's got him. Right now in these days that you're living in, you might stumble a little bit, but your heavenly father's got you by the hand. You're not going to fall. Once I was young, and now I am old. 
Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging bread. God's people always have provision. Now notice, the godly may have little, but we have enough. Okay? We may have little, but enough. Our children are never begging bread. The godly always give generous loans to others. We're we're the lender and we're not the borrower. And their children are a blessing. I like that. My daughter will be a blessing. Your children will be a blessing. (laughs) And the godly always give generous loans to others. Now, we're not taken advantage of by the Christian crooks, all right, the Christian con artists, but we are generous. Turn from evil and do good. Now, there's a great command. And you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. I like that. Now, take that up to what it says earlier, that he's got you by the hand. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will die. Wow. The godly will possess the land and will live there forever. What a beautiful psalm to get started in today. Father, we are again reminded of your great provision and your great prosperity. Father, we don't live in avarice and we don't live in greed. But Lord, we do live in prosperity. Our needs are met and there's an abundance left over for every good work. And Father, there's provision for us that our children will never beg bread and that you'll never let your people suffer shame in these days. Father, let this psalm today, let the incredible promises of this psalm today just resonate in the hearts of your people. We we hear all this bad news about COVID-19. Lord, let these promises just resonate in the hearts of your people all day long. Father, let these things just be burned by the Holy Spirit into their hearts and into the forefront of their thinking and their minds. Father, they will remember these things. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you've got them by the hand. Oh, I thank you that in these days that we walk this rough path, our feet will not slip. And Lord, you hold us by the hand and we, though we might stumble, we will not fall on our faces. I thank you for it. Father, encourage your people today. Lord, I lift to you all of our members that have been diagnosed COVID positive, even without symptoms. <laughs> Let all of them be without symptoms, Lord. Let the power of this thing be broken in their bodies in the name of Jesus, and let them be just so strong. Let their physical bodies be strong in the name of Jesus. I pray for our members in the hospital right now, Lord, with this COVID-19 thing. Lord Jesus, walk into those rooms. Oh, we sing that song, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Walk into their hospital rooms right now, Lord Jesus. Manifest your presence to them, just like you did to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, just like you did to Paul, just like you did to John. Just walk into those rooms and call them by name. Lay your hand upon them and bring healing. Bring healing into their bodies in Jesus' name. Let that plague be broken off of them. Just like when you walked this earth, Jesus, you healed the plague 
Let this plague be healed and broken off of their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open up our hearts now and spend some time in worship.
Our Old Testament passage today picks up in Numbers chapter 35, beginning with verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that a manslayer who kills any person without intent, now notice this, without intent, may flee there. In other words, a man who kills somebody by accident, he may flee there. The city shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And the cities that you give shall be your six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among you, that anyone who kills any person without intent, without intent, may flee there. For instance, you're swinging an axe and the top of the axe comes off and hits a person, and they die. You you had no intent, and you're mortified that such a thing happened. Accidents happen. So without intent, these are accidents. But if he struck him down with an ironed object so he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. In other words, you pick up a big piece of steel and hit somebody. And if he struck him down with a stone tool that could cause death and he died, he's a murderer. In other words, you you took a a stone tool and hit them with it. He's a murderer. And the murderer shall be put to death. Now, this this is the death penalty. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death and he died, he's a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. And if he pushed him out of hatred or hurled something at him, lying in wait so that he died... Or if in enmity he struck him down with his hand, in other words, he was angry, so that he died, then he who struck the blow shall be put to death. He's a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. But if he pushed him suddenly, without enmity, or hurled anything at him, without lying in wait, in other words, this wasn't planned, or used a stone that could cause death, and without seeing him, dropped it on him so that he died, though he is not his enemy and did not seek his harm. Then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood in accordance with these rules. And the congregation shall rescue the manslayer from the hand of the avenger of blood. And the congregation shall restore him to his city of refuge to which he had fled. And he shall live in it until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. So notice, if the guy goes to the city of refuge, he has to stay there until the high priest dies. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the boundaries of his city of refuge to which he fled, and the avenger of blood finds him outside the boundaries of the city of refuge, and the avenger of blood kills the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. But he must remain in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the manslayer may return to the land of his possession, because God has given him and his family land also. And these things shall be for a statute and rule for you throughout your generations and all your dwelling places. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of the witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Notice, multiple witnesses. Moreover, you shall accept no ransom for the life of a murderer who is guilty of death. He shall be put to death. So there's no blood money. No blood money for murder. You can't pay the family, 
you know, 50 million pesos, and okay, never mind. And you shall accept no ransom for him who has fled to his city of refuge, that he may return to dwell in the land before the death of the high priest. And you shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that has shed it, except the blood of the one who shed it. All right. This is pollution. Now, please forgive me. I just want to make sure you don't misunderstand me here. I'm a person who believes in taking care of the environment. I'm not, I'm not weird about it, but I really believe that we take care of the environment because that's the principle of stewardship. I mean, God gave us this earth to leave to the next generation, so we should take care of the environment. Now, don't be weird about it, but we take care of the environment. One of the ways that we pollute the land, murder pollutes the land. Killing innocent babies in the womb pollutes the land. You know, sometimes people forget that, you know, abortion is murder. Killing an innocent baby is murder. And sometimes you, you look at nations and you wonder why they have so much trouble and why the land doesn't produce like it should produce. Well, the land is polluted. It's polluted by the blood of the innocent. He said, you shall not defile the land in which you live in the midst of which I dwell. For I, the Lord, dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. Now there's a beautiful truth in itself. Chapter 36, verse 1. The heads of the fathers' houses of the clan of the people of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, from the clans of the people of Joseph, came near and spoke before Moses and before the chiefs and the heads of the fathers' houses of the people of Israel. They said, The Lord commanded my Lord to give the land for inheritance by lot to the people of Israel. And my Lord was commanded by the Lord to give the inheritance of Zolophad, our brother, to his daughters. But if they married to any of the sons of the other tribes of the people of Israel, then their inheritance shall be taken away from the inheritance of our father and added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they married. So it will be taken away from the lot of our inheritance. And when the jubilee of the people of Israel comes, then their inheritance will be added to the inheritance of the tribe into which they marry, and their inheritance will be taken away from the inheritance of the tribe of our fathers. And the Lord commanded the people of Israel, according to the word of the Lord, saying, The tribe of the people of Joseph is right. This is what the Lord commands concerning the daughters of Zelophehad. Let them marry whom they think best, only they shall marry within the clan of the tribe of their father, so that the promised land stays with every family to which it's promised. The inheritance of the people of Israel should not be transferred from one tribe to another, for every one of the people of Israel shall hold on to the inheritance of the tribe of their fathers. Now, brothers and sisters, this, this whole concept of inheritance is so powerful. This is the economic system God designed. God designed an economic system of wealth transfer to the next generation. No one generation can completely destroy the future of a family. This was God's plan. This is one of the ways that God removed poverty from the midst of Israel, is there would always be in every generation, every 50 years, the generation would have land and capital restored. Now, if their generation threw it all away, 
because they were bad businessmen or they didn't care. That's another subject. But every generation had an opportunity. Now, I, I get concerned sometimes when I hear the nations of the world talking about putting special taxes on inheritances and things because they, they, they don't want the next generation to have anything. They want every generation to start from zero. God never intended the next generation to start from zero. Now, forgive me, but spiritually as a church, in 1980, when I became your pastor, we started at zero or maybe below zero. And all the old timers will remember that. At this point in time, God has so blessed our church. We're, we're, we have over 4 billion pesos in assets. You say, well, who gets all of that? The congregation owns this. Sister Bev and I don't own this. Our family doesn't own this. A small group of businessmen do not own this. The congregation controls this. The next generation will be able to do far greater than our generation was ever able to do. To me, the, the, these last years of my life on earth, and I'm still young and I'm not going anywhere for at least 20 years, but the, these years of my life are to build wealth for the next generation so that the next generation can do far more than our current generation did. Now, Ev, parents, you, you have to get this in your hearts. The next generation of our families, whether it's a spiritual family or physical family, they should never start from zero. God never intended a generation to start from zero or below zero. God always intended every generation to start with capital. This is his economic pattern for wealth building. All right. And every daughter, verse 8, who possesses an inheritance in any tribe of the people of Israel shall be the wife to one of the clan of the tribe of her father, so that every one of the people of Israel may possess the inheritance of their fathers. So no inheritance shall be transferred from one tribe to another, so there's no diminishing, for each of the tribes of the people of Israel shall hold on to its own inheritance. The daughters of Zaholophahad did just as Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. For Mala, Disra, Holga, Milcah, and Noah, the daughters of Zaholophahad, were married to the sons of their father's houses. They were married into the clans of the people of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, and their inheritance remained in the tribe of their father's clan. These are the commandments and the rules that the Lord commanded through Moses to the people of Israel in the plains of Moses by the Jordan at Jericho. So just before we begin that mountain trip up to Jerusalem, there where Jericho is, that's where all of this took place. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. But tonight, I've learned it's true what my Lola John used to say. Ooh, nothing's quite as good until you give it away. If you want more happy than your heart. 
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. I like that. Jesus liked to pray in a quiet place. And all night, he continued in prayer to God. What was the last time you just spent an entire night in prayer to God? Have you ever thought about that? Well, Pastor, let's have another all-night prayer meeting. Well, in the middle of this COVID-19 thing, we can't. But nothing's stopping you from doing this. Hmm. Why don't you just decide to spend a night in prayer before the Lord? Now, usually, I mean, to be honest, usually you fall asleep for a few minutes. Let's not be super spiritual about it. Sometimes you fall asleep on your knees next to your bed reading your Bible and you wake up, you know, 15 or 20 minutes later and oh, everything is stiff and sore. But you just shouldn't feel condemned about that. 
Let me encourage you. Jesus knew how to spend a night in prayer. Let me encourage you to spend a night in prayer. And when day came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles. So the choice followed prayer. The choice of the twelve, the choice of his assistants, followed a season of prayer. Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now notice, he became. Not was, became. One of the things you have to learn, people change. Now, beloved, this is probably the hardest thing for any of us to deal with. Because we think we know somebody. And then we go, whoa, that's not who I thought they were. It's not who they were. It's who they are. Okay? He became a traitor. Now, there are things that happened in his life. There are decisions that he made. I doubt if it was a single thing. It may have been 10,000 little things. But slowly, Judas changed. He became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place and with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, I want you to notice this. He was on the mountain to pray, and then he came down to a level place. So let's say that he is down here someplace near the Galilee, all right? We go up to here. We have the Dead Sea. We have Jerusalem up here. This is the Galilee, Sea of Galilee here. This is going to be um, Tel Dan. It's going to be Dan up in here. And I want you to notice, he has people from Tyre and Sidon. This is all the way, way over here by the sea. He has the plains of Tyre and Sidon. He has the people from Judea, which is Jerusalem and the whole area around that. He has all these people there with him who traveled literally from all over Israel. So he has a great crowd of his disciples and a multitude of people. Now that's two different groups, two types of people his disciples, and a great multitude who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. So they came to learn, they came to be healed, and they came for demons to be cast out. So three reasons they came. And all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. Ah, to me, that's a dream. This was a crusade that everyone got healed. Now, we, we know that in Nazareth, not everybody got healed. Only a few sick people were healed. But this was a crusade in which he healed them all. If you want to know what my little brain thinks about sometimes... What will it be like to have such a presence of Jesus in one of our healing crusades, our, our healing Jesus crusades in the province? What will it be like to have church services and healing Jesus crusade services 
where every single person who walked in the place was healed. I sometimes lay awake in my bed at night and think about things like that. That every crippled person is healed. Every stroke is healed. Every kidney functions again. Every lung functions again. Every eye is made clear again. Every skin disease is... You, you just... Oh. But that was one of those meetings. And he lifted up his eyes and his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now notice, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. Now notice there were two groups of people there, Diva. He's only speaking to one group. He focuses attention on his disciples. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and when they spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Have you ever been excluded from something just because you're a Christian? Happy are you when you're just excluded from something because you're a Christian. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For so their fathers did to the prophets. Now get a hold of this. Rejoice in that day. What day? That day when you are hated, excluded, reviled, and your name is spurned as evil. Young people, when people spur, when people exclude you just because you're a Christian, instead of walking around and crying, rejoice and leap for joy. But woe to who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. To the one who takes your cloak, do not withhold your other tunic. Give to the one who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now, how do you live that? Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. <laughs> Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who slaps you on the cheek, give him the other one also. Okay. You, you want to lie about me? Okay, you can lie about this side too. And the one who takes away your cloak, they took away something that was yours. You know, if they want to take your tunic, let them have that too. In other words, they took away your cloak, now, look, now let them take away your shirt. <laughs> give to everyone who begs from you. Everyone who comes up and tries to ask something from you, always try to give to them. And from the one who takes away your good, people who come and take something that's yours, don't demand them back. Don't, don't, don't demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do to them. The golden rule. 
as you want others to treat you, you do to them. If you love those who love you, what, what benefit is that as you, to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who good do to you, what, what benefit is that to you? For even the, the sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. Look at that. Sometimes you just let people walk on you. (laughs) I'm sorry. We don't like to hear that. Love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, because God has watched you. And you will be sons of the Most High, for or because he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Act like God. Act like your family. Act like your Heavenly Father. This is how your family acts. This is the culture of your family. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Now, you know what? Straight up talk. All those sins that you're struggling with, the stealing, the pornography, the, the uh, adultery, the sex, the lust, the, the lying, the, the whatever, all those things, those are the easy ones. These, these are the hard ones. All right, a little bit of Proverbs today before we close out. Let me read it to you in New Living Translation. I like it. It's very sweet and very, very crisp. A glad heart makes a happy face. You want to know people's heart? Look at their face. Look at face and see the heart. Now, I like to be a happy person. But sometimes I'll be sitting and my wife or my daughter will walk up and say, what's wrong, sweetheart? I say, what do you mean, what's wrong? Your, your forehead is furrowed. You're, you're thinking about something and it's not nice. I say, yeah, you're right. I'm thinking about something that wasn't good. Got a problem I got to deal with. Show me your face and I'll show you your heart. A glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool (laughs) feeds on trash. Now, let's look at that in the, the ESV. But the mouth of the fool feeds on folly. Now, a wise person is a learner. A fool feeds on trash. Shall I list some trash that you feed on? Uh, anime, comic books, uh, video games. Uh, hello. <laughs> Please forgive me. Young people, do you want to be somebody? Do you want to go somewhere, as the old song used to say? A wise person is hungry for knowledge. Always have a book. 
always be studying, always be learning, <laughs> not video gaming, please. A fool, whoa, you need to go meditate on that all day. A fool feeds on trash. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. <laughs> Let's look at that from the ESV. The days of the afflicted are evil, but the, but the cheerful of the heart have a continual feast. I like that. Whoa, the happy heart, ha life is a continual feast. You know what? Sometimes you just choose to be happy. Better to have a little with respect for God than to have great treasure and inner turmoil. All right, here is a truth of prosperity. A truth of prosperity. Better to have a little and respect for God than have great treasure and your insides are nothing but a mess. This is the truth of prosperity. This is, this is one of those laws of prosperity. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than a steak with someone you hate. <laughs> so the company makes the meal. The company makes the meal. You know, in some of these days that we're living in right now, we may not have a buffet on our table, but we have a little bit. And we have a family around us that we love. And this is also a truth of prosperity. There's one, there's two. In these difficult days, we may have a little but as you gather around the table with a family that you love, you have it the best. Because there are people that have big fancy banquets and they sit there at a table with people that they don't even like. <laughs> that is not a happy life. Amen? All right, we'll see you tonight. Evening service at 7 o'clock. We'll be picking up again with the Book of Romans. We'll see you then.